You're listening to the Seasons Change Podcast. Oh yeah, it's time for another episode of Seasons Change. I'm your host, Vactor. I'm here with the always perturbed, always upset, always angry Jeff W. Jeff, how's it going? What's up, jerks? Seasons Change is everything Jeff and I have been consuming throughout the week, whether it's movies, TV shows, comic books, whatever, it's all being consumed by us and spit out on Seasons Change, and this episode is just going to be about the Batman. Last week we talked with Shoff, from Geek, so to speak, about the Batman, but we had a few more thoughts. We saw it again, so we wanted to talk a little bit more and, and discuss some things that we did not on the last episode and just a little bit of house cleaning for everyone who's listening. Uh, we are planning on switching over from season change. Uh, we're going to be migrating over to the geek, so to speak network. If you've listened in the past, you've heard us talk about geek, so to speak many times, Jeff and I are on a video game show called the sandbox gamers. So we're going to be talking about everything in the world of video games over there on sandbox gamers. I have a Star Trek podcast called Trekknological on the Geek So to Speak Network, and I have a Star Wars podcast called the Hold, Hold on Maneuver on Geek So to Speak, as well as the main Geek So to Speak show, which I'm going to be joining as a co-host with Robin Schaff. So we figured, all right, let's migrate everything over there. Everything that Jeff and I are consuming will be on these other podcasts. So seasons change, ending with episode 45, the one that you're listening to right now. But we're going to keep all the back episodes up in the archive. If you want to go back and hear Jeff getting angry about comic books, you can always do that. It'll always be there for you, right, Jeff? Or, you know, when Fink suddenly left. You know, you can go back oh, and yeah, that, to too. that. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the Finkel de- departure, uh, <laughs> the sudden change Fex, fix of the it. it. Finks it. Finks it. As it were. Yeah. So you can check all those out on Anchor and all the the podcast players that you check out the previous episodes of Seasons Change. But now let's get into our discussion, Jeff, of The Batman Part yeah. 2. Yeah, yeah. So what's something off the top of your head that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about in the last uh, episode? Have you been thinking about The Batman anymore since our last discussion? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think we got to it the last time. And I remember... We I don't think we had seen also this the second viewing right Correct. at that point that was right Correct. after the first one we hadn't seen it the we saw second it again time. in Dolby by the way yes yeah saw it again in Dolby with HDR you know in the movie I thought I think that movie doesn't lend itself well whereas like Spider Man I think you know if you ever get a chance you should go look at that in HDR um, th- yes. this movie I didn't I didn't think it I didn't see it didn't seem as irrelevant I think I actually in a rare change from recent stuff we've seen, I think I actually preferred the IMAX. Yeah, uh, me too. Screening, I think mm-hmm. of that, um, which is, you know, not that IMAX is bad. I just, and they fixed that sound in that theater we go to um, yeah. for that movie, at least, or at least it was mixed correctly. Yeah. Any Nolan sure. movie in there is a, uh, is a disaster on yeah. my ears. Um, it's way too think, loud. Yeah. And you know, the thing I, I paid attention to on the second one that I didn't in the first, or, I mean, obviously, I knew it was happening. I wasn't, you know, that dumb. But like, it, it was. It didn't occur to me 
that people were, you know, talking about it was the uh, was the voiceover. Um, yeah, in the movie. right. And it's it's in there a decent amount, you know, and especially yeah. the opening in the beginning. And I think when I was uh, when we were talking about it, I was like, um, you know, hey, this is this is I, I like that because think about every Batman thing you read, right? Usually it's it starts off with not a not a speech bubble on the book, but like you know the rectangular like thought bubbles, mm-hmm. right? Where it's it's him in some kind of scenario, and then the writers typically like setting up the setting up the you know uh, story for what's about to happen and, and Batman's thinking, and they they did that in this movie in a sense of you know the movie almost opens with just straight up you know Bruce Wayne dialogue basically yeah um, and that's re- really directly out of year one that's yeah. like how year one opens up and he's like mm-hmm. journaling you know this is what I'm doing as Batman this is what I'm thinking right now so a lot of people compared it to Travis um what's his name De Niro from Taxi mm-hmm. Driver where he's kind of just you know narrating talking about what he's feeling how the city is breathing yeah. down his neck and whatever yeah, so what did you think about Rorschach, you know? Yeah, yeah, Rorschach comparison for sure. Which <laughs> Rorschach is a Batman kind of yeah. parody almost, where Alan right. Moore was like, all right, this is what Batman would be like in the real world. Yeah. And a ton of people love Rorschach, including us, I think. Mm-hmm. But Alan Moore's original intention was supposed to be like, hey, look, this is a crazy guy. This is what you should not be. Yeah, yeah this is an actual <laughs> in like, real life. psychopath. Yeah. But what did you think about it? in the movie, you know, compared to the other, let's say mm-hmm. the, the Nolan Batmans or the other Batmans, what do you think about the voiceover in this movie? Well, first it was funny that people were making, cause you heard it and I had heard it mm-hmm. um, on podcasts. I think separately we had to be seen things talk about, you know, the, the never, and I was like, I was, I was expecting it when I, when I was paying attention to it, I was expecting it to happen more because of the amount of people were talking about it, but it really doesn't happen a, a ton in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of sprinkled throughout, but I, I like it. I feel like that makes this, you know, um, it makes it feel like it feels like they're this movie. Ultimately, to me, it feels like the most inspired by the character, if that makes sense. Like it feels I know some people with their complaints were, you know, it's cherry picking all these different things and then like trying to mash it all and Frankenstein it into one movie. But like to me it, that, you know, it, that makes it. Uh, I, I that makes me like this movie, like their inspirations that they come up with, like the things that they pay homage to, and like to do the voiceover. You know, it to me, I like that. It makes it feel like, hey, like this is what this is a natural evolution of those books to the to the screen. You know, like that's something that you should be. It makes it feel more Batman esque to me. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know how you felt about it. Yeah, well, it gets you in that mindset of detective noir storytelling. Yes. So to me, it worked 100%. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Actually, on the second viewing, we we actually got to see the opening scene, which we did not get to see the first time. And the closing voiceover made more sense Mm -hmm. versus when we we saw it the first time and we missed the opening. Um, Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it made more sense. So I, I was all for the voiceover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess actually, mm-hmm. since we since we didn't we didn't even talk about the opening really, I mean I thought the opening was was pretty great. The cut, the the Riddler cut to him being behind 
the mayor. Uh, yeah, you know, right. like the, the kind of a jump scare. Mm-hmm. I thought was a was a great look on that, but uh, yeah, I thought the overall all the beginning of that thing was really strong. Yeah, and with the voiceover, you also had the Pattinson voice of Batman, which was like a whisper versus the last, you know, the previous Batman's. Whether it was the Batfleck, where they had digitally altered his voice and he had yeah. like a voice changer on. Which mm-hmm. I actually like that in real world, like because if somebody, yeah. you know, for me specifically, I could pick out somebody's voice, especially if it was Bruce Wayne and he's like, yeah. supposed to be, let's say if it was Elon he, Musk, right? Like he's supposed yeah. to be this really popular billionaire. Yeah. I could probably hear Elon Musk's voice if he was like doing a Batman yeah. That, voice. That, that's fair. You're honestly you're like Rain Man when it comes to hearing voices. <laughs> I I really enjoy <laughs> picking out voices. Yeah, but like, yeah, like yeah, that is true. If it was like um. You know, just some, like, who's the Virgin Galactic guy, you know, or Bezos? Like, you could probably pick out that voice based on... Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could could probably pick out those voices. You know what I mean? Like, um, for sure. But did you you like this voice versus, what's Mm -hmm. it, Christian Bale's growling, I'm Batman. Yeah. (laughs) It is... It's hard to not laugh at it, and I think you know what's <laughs> fucked up about that is I love those movies so much. Mm-hmm. Even even Rises, I, I I don't I'm not a Rises to me is easily the weakest of all yes, those, but right. I still I still am like, hey, this is cool. You know, I'm fine right. with this movie. And uh, it's a shame that I think it we look back and you know who's um you love that comedian he has a, his own Batman series where he does that oh Pete Holmes Pete Holmes thank which you. They, yeah. they call him Batman and yeah so like his nose is stopped up the whole time yeah and, oh, and where's he, the Riddler yeah and it's it's funny and I think it's obviously that, that's gonna happen because of you know just the cultural relevance of those movies and all that stuff but um in this one I don't think I really really liked it um. And I'm going to say another thing too, because I was we were watching for the other thing for the other other show, the the Sandbox Gamers. We were uh, catching up on the Batman Telltale series. Yes, and they do it. I think they do it in there a little better than maybe even the Batfleck one, where it's not as modulated. It's not mm-hmm. as crazy sounding. Yeah. It's just just a little bit to throw it off. I feel like yeah. that might be the best interpretation of that, but um. This one in this movie, in the Batman, the Robert Pattinson one, it's, it's more uh, of a whisper. It's a whisper, and it's not corny. I don't look at it and laugh. Right. You know? Yeah. It doesn't make me, like, cringe or, you know, the amount of parody for Bale's, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's a bold choice. I'm, you know, I respect them for doing it, and like I said, I love those movies. But it is funny that you look at it now, he's like the... <sighs> That's right. Where is she at? Where the problem is, she is, like, the Nolan movies were so popular, everybody mm-hmm. knows it, right? Versus, yeah. let's say, if it wasn't, if it didn't do well, people wouldn't talk about it, I think, as much. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it was definitely a choice. And actually, I was listening to an interview with Pattinson, and he was saying, originally, Christian Bale did a whisper, and you can actually hear it in the original trailer, or not trailer, but the teaser for Batman Begins. So I went back and looked it up on YouTube, and I Mm -hmm. found it. And yeah, he's definitely whispering in the original version. So at some point, he decided the growl was better. Yeah. I do like having a modulated voice specifically, like you said, in the Telltale version, Mm -hmm. because then I wouldn't be able to pick it out necessarily. Although, there are certain times where even with modulation, I can pick out... Because there's a show that Jeff loves called The Masked Singer. 
And mm-hmm. the whole point of the show is to disguise the people's identity. But they'll have them talking in in character, like inside of the mask, and they'll modulate the voice. But there's certain people who they either have an accent or they just talk differently. And you know mm-hmm. it's them. Like T-Pain, I picked out it immediately. I was like, that's T-Pain. That's how he talks. Mm-hmm. He has that twang. That's, and then Omarion. Yeah. yeah, he has a, like a Florida twang. And Omarion was the same way. Bow Wow yeah. was another one. It was like, I just know those guys' voices, I guess, so well. And yeah. they're, they don't speak like other people. Um, other people come on and it's like, I don't know who that is. I, I've never heard that guy talk before. But... Right. Even with modulation, there's sometimes, that's my point, is you can still tell who it is if they talk like a, you know, a specific way. And it made me think about the scene where he goes in, to the club, the Iceberg Lounge. and yeah. which, which him, one? <laughs> yeah, you see sorry. him three different times. Uh-huh. The very first time is he's Batman. You know who I am. Like, yeah. <laughs> wait, let me do the whisper. The next time it's as Bruce Wayne, and he almost sounded the exact same. You know who I am. Like, yeah. <laughs> You would think these guys, the guys at the door, would like, hey, wait a minute. We just heard that guy is Batman. And he kind of has a similar jawline. Same hey, height. wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking about that. But, you know, as, as you're watching the movie, you're not necessarily picking up on that. Um, but, yeah, the voice was fine. It didn't bother me. It wasn't. Um, um, I think yeah. Kevin Conroy, yeah. you know, as Batman, he just talks. He doesn't have either a growl or a whisper. He does the opposite. He has like that growl voice like naturally. And then he goes into the like when they do the minimal Bruce Wayne scene, not minimal, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? When they right. do the less common scenes in the animated, he's like, oh, hi. You know, like yeah. he like lifts his voice for that, uh, which I think is, you know, his and his voice is so to to nat- to to get that to an actor that is big enough and pretty enough to to play Batman and to have a voice like that is going to be impossible. You know what I mean? Like you right. have to it'd be a a miracle to find somebody who could match that voice, but um yeah, I think that is that is mainly the difference with him is he like lifts into like the Bruce Wayne and then he just kind of you know, it it's less of a hey, here's my normal voice, and now I'm going to drop down to Batman. I think that's, he lifts into to Bruce Wayne kind of thing. Yeah, and I think he actually did it more at the beginning, because I went back mm-hmm. and rewatched the original episodes when I was showing them to my wife, and I mm-hmm. was like, oh, dang, he is making a huge distinction between Bruce Wayne and Batman. And then some of the later, more recent stuff, although Kevin Conroy's voice has changed a little bit, it is a little bit deeper now, a little bit more, like, mm-hmm. gruffle or gruff grizzled Grizzled. and he doesn't change it as much as he used to um but yeah definitely that's just an acting thing he's changed the way he decided Uh, to change yeah Um, so we'll see because with this one pattinson we haven't seen him or we didn't see him as bruce wayne that much like this is the most batman we've ever seen he's never like out at an event or does anything he's just kind of he's still that recluse kind of uh, version of, of Bruce Wayne, I, and, I, and just while I'm thinking of it, before I, I forget it, um, I think it, the voice and the lack of talking that they did for him in this movie, I think it, it it plays well, right? Like it, you know, when he walks into the room when they're <clears throat> the mayor thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's looked at as like, you know, what the hell is this thing? Like it's a it's it's a little more um, 
not it's almost like not fearful at first it's more yeah. of like you know like who the hell is this guy dressed up like this in here doing this stuff and then he's just kind of giving the like you know it's justice right it lies still you know like he's just kind of giving like these one little answers and like kind of not engaging in a ton of conversation so i think it it blends well into like the one they're setting like you know who they set it up to be i think we're, my interest my interest in that is going to be the shift right in the next movie because clearly i think this movie ends with like him being like okay I, I can do more you know we talked about it with shaw where it's like you know my money can affect this the city just as much as me trying to go out here and stop a purse thief right. you know mm-hmm. and um i think they're gonna have to switch him up to be the the public character and i'm I'm interested to see how that change happens. I'm interested to see how the the tone shifts in the sequel because I think they nailed it here. But I'm wondering how you evolve from that, you know. Yeah, and this is the first time we've seen a Batman in the light necessarily because especially yeah. like with Nolan, he only came out at night and even during the day whenever he had to operate, he was like in his Ferrari or whatever and he's driving yeah. around and he never put on the suit during the day for the most part. Um and so we haven't seen that version specifically in, in live action. So I want to see how that plays out. Because in all the comics and, you know, in the video games or in the cartoons, in the animated series particularly, he's just out and about running around. Like, most people yeah. don't care. It's, oh, there's Batman over there. Yeah. But, and that's why he wears, like, like, brighter colors. In the live action stuff we've seen, besides Adam West, he's mainly mm-hmm. just worn all black. And he's yeah. always tried to stick to the shadows. Yeah, not even gray. It's always, yeah, right. almost pitch black. Like, yeah. Clothing. So that will be an interesting change into mm-hmm. the future. Um, one thing I didn't get to talk about, I don't think enough, in the first time we talked about this movie, was the cast. The mm-hmm. cast, I think, is the strongest part. Whether it's Colin Farrell, you know, him as the MVP standout, yeah. uh, Battenson, Zoe Kravitz, Zoe Kravitz is great. Um, yeah, in this, she is probably the best Catwoman. I I don't think there's. I'm not talking like voice acting. I'm just talking the main movies. Mm-hmm. Um, live action. I think she's yeah. Live action. She's. I think easily the best. I'm trying to think of what would compete. I mean, I, I don't. You know, a lot of people like Michelle Pfeiffer. That like, and I I think people just like think she's hot. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people liked her performance as Catwoman. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I grew up on the Batman Returns, the Burton Batmans, but it mm-hmm. never crossed my mind that she was amazing as Catwoman. I just yeah. thought, oh yeah, she's she's all right. She's good. You know, you know when I read, when I what to me, and it's not a distro. I think you know she does play the crazy part well. To me, when I think of her in those uh, the Burton movies, it's always the art. It's like the setup of her apartment, like the way things look. It's that mm-hmm. that cat logo they have on the windows, right? That like old school, like cat looking, you know, cat right. woman thing, right? Uh, like cartoon character. It's it's that stuff. Yeah, it's that almost was... not even the acting. It's just everything. Like they, you know, that's Burton style or whatever. But you know, um, it's the look of everything to me for her. Right, and that was actually a cartoon character from the twenties or. Whenever mm-hmm. it came out, uh, Felix the Cat, it yeah, was a, yeah. almost like a Mickey Mouse type of character, but it's not as popular today. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't find, like I said, the Michelle Pfeiffer one to be terrible, but I really liked 
the Zoe Kravitz walk that she did as Catwoman and just the way mm-hmm. that she portrayed herself. It wasn't the Halle Berry super I have everything has to be a cat pun and I have to be oh you know, I'm getting no basketball superpowers. scenes. Yeah, no oh, yeah, basketball has, scenes in this game. <laughs> I hate this movie. Yeah, I hate that scene. <laughs> um but yeah, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon and that was one of the yeah. standout moments also. I don't I can't remember if we talked about it on the last episode, but Gordon and Batman's relationship. Yeah, I, yeah, I, was, I made a point of it. That is my short of the animated series. That's probably the best. Yeah. Right? Like the back and forth, the like mm-hmm. partnership, the, the like the jokes. The fact I that mean, we we were he, laughing throughout the movie with them, you know. Yeah. The fact that he trusts him more than the police and yeah. he's willing to get you know, it seems like he's willing to get fired because he, he helped him escape and meeting up with him afterwards, doing the, the crimes on their own. They mm-hmm. obviously had a relationship before this movie where he, he Batman did something to in his first his year yeah. yeah, to earn his trust to that extent. Because this was supposed to be year two, mm-hmm. and he trusts him more than the other police, probably because there's so much corruption in the, yeah. the Gotham Police Force, which... I'm kind of sad that we're not, we learn now that we're not getting the GCPD show, the Gotham uh, mm-hmm. Police Department, because one book that I would highly recommend to everyone out there, including Jeff, is Gotham Central, which is all about the Gotham Police Department, and which mm-hmm. I thought the Gotham show, which was on CW, was going to be, but right. it was not that at all. It is... <laughs> A hundred percent gritty crime noir written by Ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing. There's one storyline where the Joker is on the roof of a building with a sniper rifle and he's just picking people off, just killing people, no reason, just shooting people. And so the police department like Batman is barely in the book. It's all uh-huh. about the Gotham uh police department. So they have to figure out like, hey, how do we stop this lunatic on the roof with a sniper rifle? Mm-hmm. Um and it's just, that's what I wanted the show to be. I still kind of hold out hope that they will do that at some point. A gritty crime noir show. And then Batman just barely shows up every now and then. You know it's Gotham. You know he's there. But it's not about Batman. It's about the police department. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll get that. That Gotham police department show is now turning into an Arkham show from yeah. director Matt Reeves. He was um, clarifying. Um, we already, we're getting the Penguin show for sure. On HBO mm-hmm. Max, and now we're getting the Arkham show, which is, I think, going to set up the history of the universe of the the families, especially the Waynes. And we found out, you know, in the movie, mm-hmm. Martha and uh, the Arkhams and the, the Waynes had kind of a relationship. The Arkhams helped out Martha kind of covering up her insanity, mm-hmm. which that her being mentally unstable was another twist that I thought hasn't been explored in a lot of other places. Uh-huh. And I I like doing stuff like that where you hadn't seen it before because again with the origin everybody has seen his parents die. Everybody's seen that multiple times. Yeah. Let's see something different. Let's see a mentally unstable Martha. Let's see a corrupt Thomas Wayne, you know, let's see those things yeah in explored, you know. In- I was say, I think, and not, not to cut you off, and that's why I know uh, you said you weren't like a huge fan of it, but that's why I liked that Telltale twist so right. much. I mean, it was very obvious what was happening in this movie because just from the trailer, like in us being fans, you know. Um, but I feel like it just 
it adds that layer of complexity to Bruce Wayne. Like if you have a perfect family like that, um, and you don't, and, and to me, I, I did think in this movie, it's a little weaker than what the telltale series did. Right. Just because I'm like, I'm like, all right, man, little... so somebody's mom was crazy. That doesn't mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like I felt like that it was a little bit like, you know, Midwest woman reading a tabloid kind of freak out where I'm like, all right, so there was some crazy stuff in the past that doesn't really, you know, well, I think that like was supposed super, to super relevant. That was supposed to set up the motivation for Thomas going to Falcone. Like he was willing to to cross that line because his wife was, you know, he didn't want that to get out. Yeah, she was in but, the tabloids. And yeah, stuff. I but I feel it was, like a, for me, I'm like, why would he get so mad about that? But I, I mean, I get it. I get it. Yeah, you know? I, as that whole thing was different, something we hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, you know, exploring different routes and different avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, the the going back to the cast, Alfred yeah. was another one that I think we touched on a little bit in the last episode, but I wish there was more from Andy Serkis because he's such a great actor mm-hmm. and he's barely in the movie. Like he's in, I don't know, two or three scenes. Yeah. You saw some of that in the trailer. Like some of it was already out there. Um, mm-hmm. So as far as like new stuff, it was very little um, Alfred and very little. I- yeah, oh, I was gonna say. Um, I was. I was gonna say. I. I think with him, you know, we, it's almost like in this one, you, with it being year two, mm-hmm. I think you missed a little bit of of, of what his character. Yes. You know what I mean, like right. there is that like story to be had here still, which I don't know if they'll ever do, but right. I don't really care if they do it. I guess, but um, it because you know they talk about and and we you know we were, you've, we've seen. I'm sure everybody's seen breakdowns of you know this is the. Earth One Alfred kind of idea of like he trained him, he was there to protect him. So he has like, you know, there would be maybe more relevance in the beginning of the career, you know, like where he's helping him solve mysteries, maybe a little bit more helping him solve like, uh, you know, just do the detective work. Um, so I think it's, I think it's, yeah, like you said, I like Andy Circus, and I wish there was more in here. And I think it just, it's almost the victim of the story that they, set out to tell like there's things where you know like the decision to like all right i'm not going to tell this gigantic origin story you kind of sacrifice more with the you know than just like hey we're not going to show this on screen you sacrifice like setting up things like you know maybe alfred training him kind of thing you know what i mean yeah i think they could still could have shown him working with alfred closer because for the most part it seems like he's just on his own and mm-hmm. he comes back to the cave, and Alfred's there solving riddles and puzzles with him as Bruce Wayne. But as maybe having, like the Arkham games, where Alfred is in your ear all the time, and he's sending you suits and stuff, you know, having him more involved in, your, in the Batman career, I think maybe we'll see that going forward, especially the way that they're trying to change um, his arc, you know, his... from a vigilante to a hero, basically. That is something that they'll probably explore in the next one. And I bet you there's deleted scenes with Alfred. Because we already know there's a deleted Joker scene, which happened earlier in the movie. Mm -hmm. Matt Reeves talked about that um, in interviews. Basically, Batman had already put the Joker away. And this is, he called him proto-Joker. This is him. He's, He's an insane guy, but he's not putting clown makeup on. He's not the Joker that we know, you yeah. know from the comics. 
and you said the face is obfuscated like it's very it's hidden in the uh in that deleted scene mm-hmm. they don't like just show his face like he's a little bit in the shadows uh, i want to say thing. that scene was in there was actually a four-hour cut of this movie that was screened mm-hmm. uh by warner brothers it was a test screening and i think the full joker scene is in that screening but it it definitely leaked that it was uh barry keown mm-hmm. playing the joker before this i didn't see any leaks myself yeah we avoided it we googled it in the back of the theater (laughs) at the imax screen i was like oh and you know it's funny i went on twitter that night and that whole scene was up on twitter i was like man thank god i didn't run into any of this because i would have had that scene it was just somebody had filmed it in a theater and it's just right there for you to see three days before the movie even like hit major theaters you know like right yeah definitely in this day and age you want to go in as much spoiler free as you can because mm-hmm. everybody on social media is going to be posting it as soon as the movie's out fully. Um, yeah, so definitely I try to avoid rumors as much as, uh, as much as I can. And I also thought, I don't think we got to touch on the, the amount of stuff that was taken from the Earth One comics and the Zero Year comics. I didn't even think about as much on my first viewing. But then on my second viewing, I was thinking about it. Zero Year is the one that Snyder wrote after Court of Owls. And that was in the New 52. That's where him, like, on the motorcycle comes from. Mm-hmm. There's the Riddler plan to take over Gotham. I think mm-hmm. in, is inspired by that a lot. And the Alfred training. Well, the, comes yeah, from the Alfred training yeah. is from Earth One, like I was, um, mm-hmm. which was not Scott Snyder. I want to say, let me look it up real quick. But that comic I had completely forgot about because DC has done this whole Earth One line of heroes. And it's supposed to be, all right, they're on a separate Earth. Oh, Jeff Johns was the writer on that one. Yep. So it was supposed to be a whole separate universe, which this movie is really. Like if you think about the Batman versus Superman, Batman, like the Batfleck, the the Joker, Joaquin (laughs) Phoenix, like all of these Batman universes are separate dc hasn't really decided like what they want to do with that yeah but earth one is like that where it's just a a completely different earth and how these different heroes were affected by that and Mm -hmm. they came out with three different volumes of it i only read the first one because i was not really impressed by it but the pennyworth stuff where he was in secret service he was a fighter himself instead of just being a butler he's jacked yeah (laughs) Yeah. he's a younger um jacked version of alfred and so that's where i think this one took a lot of inspiration was the earth one Mm -hmm. and on top of all the other you know books that it it was inspired by and uh, telltale game as well so I, i i just thought that was interesting the amount of stuff that i didn't even think about when i watched it the first time but the second time i was like oh yeah all this stuff is from these other mm-hmm. comics. And you know, some of it too is like, it's hard. There's so much content. Like I have. Oh, especially three, Batman. Yeah. So I have three gigantic books of all uh, Morrison Batman. I have those three volumes and I haven't yeah. read any of it. And I'm like, just the amount that's in there that I probably, you know what I mean? Like just the, the variations that he did on stuff, you know, it's hard right. to in the, in the theater, especially unless you're taking notes, unless you're doing like a review kind of thing, like, you know, you're, you're in this like 
it's hard to remember where things pull from and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, except for, you know, there are major things you're like, oh yeah, the Wayne thing I knew from Telltale, right? Like I just know some of that stuff, but yeah, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that even I miss, you know, that I don't, just things that I haven't been able to get to, you know, um, in time. Yeah. You were talking about the look of the movie. Yeah. Um, the feeling that you got from it when you were watching it. Yeah, you know, I think, and I think, um, I mean, I forget who made the point on the the film cast episode that we were listening to um, when they talk about it. You know, I think it's it's a it's a perfect, um, it, like, there's a reason, like, so you know, for me, we were talking about like ranking it, and I um, and I've seen multiple people who I would think would be pretty tough on this movie uh, give it pretty high praise, and. Um, and talk about, you know, they, they talk, they always talk about like, Hey, I love the dark Knight, but I would say this is close to it, but they're just like, it's just different. They're always like, it's different, you know? And I think one of the main reasons, and I think they made this point on this, on the film cast is, it's just the look of how different this thing is. Like if you, if you think about the Nolan movies, like just, if you just imagine like scenes in that movie, like everything is in focus, right? Like everything on the screen, you can see. There's no, there's not much depth of field in some of the scenes. Like they're not intentionally blurring the background. Whereas like, you know, you just think about this movie, like at the, at the end, we've already said spoilers, but at the end when Batman drops down from the ceiling, you know, and they're on that, that scoreboard, the Madison Gardens scoreboard up there, right? Like the, the way they focus in on those guys and everybody in the background, super blurry. It's just the way it looks, you know, to me, makes it just gives it a whole different feel um so that's why it's you know it not to not and this isn't like a trashing thing but nolan's movies are more along the marvel cutter or maybe you could say marvel borrowed from him you know of the right. way the, the movie looks on screen right whereas yeah. i think in this one it it, you know, there's a little bit more, there's a little more depth of field in these. There's a little, it feels a little more intimate in that way, I guess. Um, you know, it right. doesn't feel like you're seeing every single thing that's happening. The shots are a little tighter. It's not, you know, we talked about the car scene, like the, the car chase scene, like it's a pretty intimate scene for a car chase scene. Like they don't really cut like up to like a helicopter style view in that where you can see the whole thing happening at once, you know, like, right you're you're pretty close in on those cars and uh it's probably number one easier to shoot it that way but also i think it just it it it's just a different uh a different style like you know i think nolan's if you had to rank these you know and obviously this is what everybody was going for but you know nolan's probably falls more almost a little more into the action category right like it has a foot in the action category where i think this this batman the new batman um has you know, both feet in this, you know, noir detective film kind of thing. It's more, it's more just intimate to me, I guess is maybe the word. Yeah. And that cinematographer, Wally Pfister was with Nolan for a ton of his movies. He's recently moved away from that look and that mm -hmm. cinematographer, but he, all of the stuff, you know, that we loved from Nolan in his early career, that's all Wally Pfister. Yeah. And I, I definitely think, this new one um, on The Batman is Greg Frazier, and he did Dune, he did Rogue One, he did Vice, Zero Dark Thirty. Oh. So, like, there's a, you know, a certain style that he has. If you think about all those movies, 
they're like dark, kind of gritty. Um, but all of them look great. And he's actually doing the new Dune Part 2, which is coming out next year. Mm-hmm. So you know that's going to look good. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, definitely, he's one of the, the best, I think, working today, uh, Greg Fraser. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on on the look of it versus um the previous movies that we've seen. And another thing I I didn't talk about in the last one there's a certain fighting style that the Nolan one has where it was close combat. He was using a lot of um knees and elbows and mm-hmm. it was the Krav Maga like the Israeli fight style that they yeah. use. And I thought that worked really well for the Nolan Batman. And for Batman, just in general, just being up close and just hitting everybody versus like wide throwing, you know, batterings mm-hmm. at people and stuff. Right, right. This one, I felt like he kind of had, I haven't seen anything about, you know, were they using a specific martial arts style, but all the fighting in this one um, was a, maybe like a medium distance. Mostly it's in that club in the Iceberg mm-hmm. Lounge where you see him doing like yeah. hand-to-hand combat. And then yeah. the opening scene, which we had not seen the first time, of him just punching that guy like over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't feel like there was a a specific, you know, it didn't lock down anything. Um, it felt like he was changing. And that may be, all right, it's year two and he still hasn't found his, like his style that he wants to use yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in the comics, you know, he's supposed to be a master of every martial art. Like when he went away and trained, he, sp- he, was, he learned every martial arts and came back. And in Batman Begins, they had a whole training thing of of him learning how to fight. With this one skipping that, we just don't know, you know, what's going on with that. But did did the fighting style stand out to you? Like, was, did you like it or did you dislike it? You know, it was, yeah, it was in, it didn't, you know, I was kind of um, just neutral on it, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it. You know, it didn't, it didn't bother me that much. Uh, but you're definitely right. I think it doesn't, he doesn't lock into like, a certain stance he doesn't you know there's not like a a certain style to it it feels and you even see like in the iceberg lounge like people are getting hits on him you know more like he's you know he's taking some falls um so i feel like it is very much like you know he hasn't figured out what applies to this these scenarios you know um so i i think it probably is implying that i don't know if you know, Matt Reeves had that written down or if he just mm-hmm. was like, Hey, this isn't going to be super relevant to me. Um, but you know, I think, uh, I think it, it, you know, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it takes away anything. Uh, I think it is an interesting choice, but then again, like you said, I don't think you see, you don't really see a whole lot. Like there's not a lot of him just like one-on-one, you know, like, like, you right. know, there isn't, they didn't have a Bane scene in these yet. You know, they didn't have, uh, you know, some of the more, you know, relevant fight scenes in um in the Nolan movies, you know, they're right. They they kind of avoided that in this one, which I thought was uh I think maybe that's the more interesting part to me is them kind of just, you know, figuring out a way to tell a story without running into that as often. Yeah. Um I think I, upon the second viewing, some mm-hmm. of my things that I didn't like stood out a little bit more. It, it may have been the time that we went and saw it. We we saw it uh, kind of late at night, yeah. but the the length, you know, the pacing, it felt longer this time. The second time I watched it, yeah, and I think it it again it could have used maybe cut out about thirty minutes, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe 
some of that Riddler stuff at the end, because I felt like there was just too many endings. Like it almost felt like um, Return of the King, which I know Jeff is a big Lord of the Rings fan, and Return of the King is infamous for almost like fake out endings. Like there's like 10 different endings. Every time you think, oh, okay, it's coming to a close. Oh, wait, no, there's this thing. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. no, there's this thing. That's how I felt watching it again. I was like, all right, this seems like a good place to wrap it up. Oh, wait, there's more. There's the, the Riddler's. Uh, oh yeah. That whole, the drowning thing. Okay. Oh, oh wait, wait, there's no, the, I felt like they just kept on, you know, overstepping. I was like, no, you should have ended it right here. Should have ended it right here. Yeah. Maybe leave the rest of that either on the cutting room floor or on the, for the next movie. Did you right. feel any different the second time you watched it as far as for the length? You know, I definitely noticed myself getting uncomfortable after like two and a half hours. Cause you know, it's funny. I, I looked up, uh, uh, you know, let's just say I found a, a camera copy of this movie on mm. the ground and I picked it up, <laughs> you know, just to, just to see a couple things. And if you think about it, that Batman, the, the car scene chase, in that file is right around the middle of the movie. Mm. So you think about how think about how deep that is into the movie right. like in your mind. Like that's only halfway. Like and I that would kind of surprise me. I was like, man, this is only halfway into this movie. Um, you know, I think that that the length of it the first time I think I was just so juiced up. I think I was like hyped up to go see it and like, you know, that's just gonna happen to me with any of these kind of movies, you know, especially right. even the next one, you know, anytime they do these, I'm gonna you know, probably be excited, especially with a cast like this. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, led to me being like, oh, yeah, I don't mind it. Um, the second time I definitely was like, all right, you know, we got to do a whole extra Riddler storyline here at the end once he gets caught. You know, like we're we're in the part where he's doing the Bruce Wayne, like singing, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God, we still got to go through to his apartment we got to find all that you got to pull you know what i mean i'm like oh my god like right like we got a minute to go we got to have all that fighting scene i think it's it's tough for me because because i do love things after the riddler gets caught but i made this point and when we talked to shaw i'm like after the riddler's in jail after that scene where they are having you know him and bruce are having the back and forth you're like all right, like everything after that to me is a little bit weaker. Yeah, and I, I, and I think there's things that I'd like. There are things that you know I do want to like, you know, like there, like the scene where he drops in from the roof and the you know the windows explode on Madison Square Garden. Like to me, that yeah. is an amazing shot. Like that's one of my favorite shots of any Batman movie. You know, yeah. I just like oh. the, how cool that was. Yeah. Did you notice? I didn't notice it the first time, but on the second viewing. They called it Gotham Square Garden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, notice I, I didn't that. notice yeah, that. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's definitely Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's things that I mean, I and, you know, I like, I appreciate the symbolism of him, you know, being the beacon of light in this, you know, black blacked out city, you know, leading these people through this water, you know, and and I know there's a lot of symbolism there, and I'm not, I'm not cheapening that. I'm just saying after two hours and like 45 minutes, you're like, okay, like this is not as interesting to me. Like this is not, you know, the most interesting part of this movie um, for for me. So, you know, I, I I just think that kind of, you know, I think the first time you see it, you're like very interested in when it's all new, but when you see it again, you're kind of, you're kind of in that mode of like, all right, I've seen this before. Now I'm kind of looking at it in a different light. And, um, yeah, the runtime was a little crazy to me. Um, 
I'm trying to think of, of anything else off the top of my head, but I, I can, I can definitely see like, if you're not as hyped up as I was, you're probably going to have a bit of a problem, you know, with how long the movie is, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to see, I'd like to see like a director's cut and what was cut on the deleted scenes. But as far as the theatrical version, mm-hmm. I think cutting it in half when I watch it on HBO Max, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to watch this first half, and then I'll come back yes. and watch the second half. Say, that being said, I will watch a four-hour cut, you know, yeah. like, and I will do it on, you know, at home, and it'll be Just way- like with the Snyder cut, I thought it mm-hmm. improved it, but I was watching it at home, so I could pause it, I could do what I wanted to and come back. I don't know about four hours in the theater. Oh, God. Uh, that's, like a, that's like half a work shift. You know what I mean? That's yeah. a long time, dude. That is... Yeah. You know, and I, and I, and this is a movie that I loved, you know, and, I, and I'm still like, I don't know if I would be able to watch four hours of this thing. Like, it is just a long, like, I had to take breaks at work. You know what I mean? Like, right. you don't get a break when you're watching this four hour cut of this movie. Like, put an intermission in here, you know, give it like a little 20 minute, like, little break or something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, definitely um, enjoyed it on the second viewing. And the Dolby, I liked the the rumble of the seats. That's what, on my second viewing, it wasn't necessarily the HDR or the colors, like you said, popping. Mm-hmm. It was the rumble of the seats from the sound. That's what I liked. Um, yeah. And it kind of made me want to see it in the, they have like a 4D version where the seats will move almost like a, a ride. Oh, So yeah. that would be, especially for the car chase, I think that would be fun. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think the, the HDR, I think, it, it doesn't. You know, it it wasn't super relevant in this movie, although I, th- I did think it looked good, right? You know, yeah. But um, uh, I think you know, if you watch like when we watched Bond there, or you know, if you go see Spider Man in there, it's much more prevalent there, where you're like, oh, this screen is a nice looking screen, right? Yep. All right, cool. So I think, oh, I I did want to mention real quick, there is a prequel um, audio book that I listened to called Before the Batman, and okay. it's all about. Almost, I think it's like year one, basically. It's him becoming Batman. There's a little bit more backstory with him and Alfred. And there's a whole thing about him soup, souping up the, the Batmobile, having a race. And he has this whole adventure. It's about two hours for the audiobook. It was all right. I wasn't like crazy about it. It wasn't like, oh, you have to listen to this or you have mm-hmm. to read this book before um, you watch the movie. But just a little bit of context. And I think for you, you know, being a big Batman fan, there's some stuff in there that just fills out the world a little bit more. So that's before the Batman. And I'll leave that in our show notes. And our final segment, Jeff, our weekly recommendation. I wanted to recommend everybody, the always sunny podcast. It is everything that you like about the show. You would like these three guys talking, um, Charlie day, Rob McElhaney and Glenn Howerton. It's just them being funny, telling stories, discussing their life. And they, they've even taken calls from, from people calling in. And it's one of the funniest podcasts that I listen to. Um, my wife, you know, that's her favorite show of all time. So she loves listening to it with me in the car. And then they just recently started a video version. So I'll leave a link in the show notes to the, the YouTube page. Yeah, but, so I see TikToks and the videos. Yeah, TikTok, uh, Spotify. Yeah. yeah, there's a ton of stuff. Uh, but definitely that is my pick of the week, Jeff, for uh, the final episode of Seasons Change. It is the Always Sunny podcast. All right. 
thank you very much everyone for listening um we very much appreciate it and if, if you want to like i said in our show notes you'll see a link to mr Schaff's fiverr uh link or I don't know what it's called, but you know, his Fiverr job <laughs> where you can hire him to do your voiceover or any other voiceover work. Yeah, Our whatever, Bree, wherever it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever. It's on Fiverr. I just don't know what it's called. The job. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got you. Uh, Our girl Bree, yep. she's got a nice voiceover career bubbling. Um, she's got a ton of stuff that I'm, I've really enjoyed over the years. So um, check her out in our show notes and all of our previous episodes of seasons change can be found in our archive so follow us like i said jeff and i are mul- are um, migrating over to the geek so to speak network so you can find us over there geek so to speak.com um we're going to be on our on their youtube page playing games and talking games every week on the sandbox gamers podcast so check out all of our stuff in the future at geek so to speak.com Jeff, I think I hear something for the final time. It's the seasons coming to an end. I I have no words. R.I.P. Pour out a 40. <laughs> Later. <laughs> and Shoff's here too.